0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Stride Power Podcast. As always, my name is Evan. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by longtime Strider, uh, somebody I know in the running community that I'm a huge fan of, Ron Romano. Ron, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Evan. It's great to see your face, man. We haven't been able to hang in an expo for a couple of years, man. Those are those are the
0: best of times
1: when I'd roll in and hang out with you all in the uh, in the expo booths.
0: It's quite a uh, refreshing experience when you're standing around for hours and hours on hard concrete, especially at the New York Expo. And then Ron comes in and it's a breath of fresh air and it's a new excitement in the venue and stuff. So I'm glad we can get you on the Stride Power podcast today to talk about not only uh, you know your recent success. You just ran Boston. We're going to talk all about that. But you've been using Stride over the years and you've had success in the past. You've had Um, Quite a training journey, running journey over the past few years, too, that I'm sure people, if they don't already know you, um, they'd be super interested to hear about. And then also right after Boston, we were talking before we recorded about a great 5k that you recently ran, too. And so we're going to dive into all of that and more um ron is a seasoned podcast pro so this will be uh, probably the most professional stride power podcast uh we we get for a long time um the first kind of question that i have i already know the answer but for people that don't uh, was this your first time racing boston
1: uh it was number 10 evan wow. uh, my first was uh the 99th boston in 1995 wow. and second was the hundredth the historic hundredth so uh I started in my mid 30s. I was blessed to run a 241 in the 100th and then to now run the 125th and 126th, all those years apart, um was just was awesome and to be part of those experiences is something that I'll have forever for life.
0: Absolutely it's it's so inspiring to me. Like I I have not run Boston yet. I've been there multiple times to watch the race. I have plenty of friends that have run it, but I get the running itch and the running bug every single time, like even if I'm not there and I'm just watching and stuff, the number of inspirational stories are amazing. So you mentioned it was yeah Boston number 10 and you ran, uh, you know, the first one all the way back when I was a little kid and didn't even know that marathoning was a thing. Uh, how many marathons have you run total?
1: Uh, we're at number 63 and Barcelona next Sunday will be number 64. So we're getting, we're getting past my age, which is (laughs) awesome, man.
0: Yeah. What was your qualifying race for this year's Boston, Boston 22?
1: Yeah. The way the timing worked out, it was Berlin um, because I had used New York and had some faster ones, but I still had a 315 or 316 or something. Yeah, Berlin was 315. So Mm -hmm. that was the most recent one to use. And thankfully, I had a a 17 minute BQ in this one, so it's nice to get that out of the way and know that I can be back next year. If you decide to lace them off, we can hang out next year.
0: Yeah, it it, it's probably a safe cushion, right? A 17 minute uh, minus 17, (laughs) I imagine, is is pretty good for for next year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been blessed to have like 45 minute cushions and the stuff when I've been at my fittest, but you know, that's the, that's the cool thing with our sport, man. You can be injured at 20, you can be injured at 60 and you know, you got to get your health back first and you got to get physically strong and get over whatever your injury or ailment is. Mm-hmm. And then after a lot of aerobic base training, and I think that's one of the things that people don't understand and how valuable that is, you know, at your level, making two Olympic trials as a marathoner. Like the wider the base, the wider the foundation, the stronger you'll be. So mm-hmm. I I suffered through a lot of slow, ridiculously low heart rate plotting runs to make sure that I was completely healthy uh, before starting to tackle harder stuff right now.
0: Right. It's interesting you say that because my next question, um, you know, I'm always curious. We talk about race day all the time. And everybody starts you know, at the same start line. Ideally, they make it through the whole race and they cross the same finish line. But how everybody gets there is different, how everybody uses different types of training plans or working out with different people, um, different approaches to long runs and different approaches to easy runs. What was your general training approach for boston this year What does your training maybe kind of looked like the past uh, two years too because i know that you um definitely a very interesting story we were just chatting again before recording about uh, all the six world major marathons that you ran within like the tiniest tiniest time gap um that we'll cover a little bit later on but i'm really curious about your training leading into boston 22.
1: Yeah, I took a a real measured approach again, wanting to err err on the side of uh, being ultra conservative. Um, So normally I'm, you know, a pretty high mileage runner, even for somebody in their 60s. You know, when I'm really feeling strong and doing well, you know, I like to get, you know, into the 80s, 90s, and, and maybe even hit a peak week of 100. But, you know, being that, uh, recovering from my first bone injury, a stress fracture, you know, I, and that was, you know, last year, uh, around my birthday. So from the end of January 29th, which is my birthday four months forward before I could even run, you know, I ran last year's fall marathons and just ran them. Like I, I didn't run them slow intentionally. That's all I had, Evan. So it wasn't like I was like, you know, throttling it back. That's just all I had. And I wasn't going to even think about going to a track trying to do any tempo runs. So for anybody who's recovering from a long injury, something like that, I can't tell you how important it is to not do that. Um, It's what everyone wants to do. They want to get back to their racing paces before their injuries, and they want to just get back with their friends and start running hard again. And you just risk re-injuring whatever it was and not building up the aerobic side. So for me, I went ultra conservative. I ran um, London, I ran Boston cause it was in October and right. New York. And then I did the JFK 50. I don't think too many people would throw three <laughs> fall marathons at a 50 mile. But for me, aerobic long running stuff is like, it's, it's in my, it's in my kitchen. It's where I feel the most comfortable. And as I got stronger, I continued to stay totally aerobic running. And as we turned into Boston training season, you know, really only towards February, did I actually start to add some tempo runs. My I run for Central Park Track Club. We're a terrific team. We have great coaches. We were talking a little bit before we came on about Roberta Groner and what an amazing runner she is. And uh, just one of the absolute best masters marathoners in the world, came sixth place at Doha. But she joined us as our road coach. And when I started to see the kind of workouts, because it's all posted, they're right in my sweet spot. It's all tempo-based, all cut-down-based, and they're strength workouts. And I added those in. And I kept my mileage intentionally in the mid fifties to sixties, which are low for me. And I did three weeks in a row in the mid sixties. And I actually, my only taper week was Boston week. So I really, I ran 60 the week before Boston. When I got up there that week, I probably ended up running 40 miles with the race. So Mm -hmm. I was ultra conservative. And by not adding those tempo runs in, I had put a huge amount of volume aerobic emphasis. And then. It just it worked. And, you know, my stride numbers started to change, as you know, um, because as you start to run harder, it's not going to be the easier runs that aren't going to change it. You know, your critical power number changes and then your goal times changes. And that's when it gets exciting,
0: man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you start to see those numbers, maybe verify those feelings you get at the end of a long run or that weekly tempo run, or maybe if you're doing some strides and hills, you're like, I feel fitter it's reassuring when the numbers kind of back up um, what, what, what you're feeling too. So you got to race day, you got through the training plan. You are a seasoned vet when it comes to getting out to Hopkinton and getting through, you know, the the travel out there, getting on the buses and the corrals. For people maybe that haven't run Boston, what is that morning experience like? Because it's not a 6.30 a.m. start, right? That's like the weirdest thing I think about Boston, how late it is in the morning. But could you give us some intel about maybe how the race start is different than other majors out there or other marathons people have run?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's just important. Um, I don't know why this is, but so many of us tend to cut things to the last minute when their flight is, when they got to get to the airport, all these other things. Marathon morning is not the morning to be doing <laughs> that. Um, I just tell people, you know, when you're doing it as long as me, Get up an extra hour earlier to eat your food, whatever you're going to eat. Eat something you're used to eating. If it's oatmeal, if it's something you bring with you, if it's a bagel and peanut butter or almond butter, whatever your normal thing is that you do, don't change it. For me, it starts with like, I'm going to get in the shower for a long shower. I'm older, man. I just want my muscles to feel like that hot water and that wakes me up. My clothes, they're all laid out the night before everything is done. There's nothing left to chance. If there's a a bag that we're doing a bag drop off with, all that stuff's packed before I get up, before Mm -hmm. I get up, because it'll keep me awake at night (laughs) if I have these things on my mind. So it's all done in the hotel room or if I happen to be racing locally at home for New York and the trip out there same thing if they tell you you need to be on this bus don't mess around don't mm-hmm. if you've never run to do the bag drop off in Boston you don't want to leave yourself 5 minutes and not know where you're going and be running around scrambling burning unnecessary energy you know energy and more importantly giving yourself anxiety on race morning it's going to be more relaxing You know, and I always advise people to if you've never done it before, find some people who have. Mm -hmm. You must know somebody in the running community from Instagram, from Facebook, from Strava. You got to know somebody who's running it. Meet up with them at a predestined point and then either drop your bags off and then get in the bus line together. And then you can at least have a conversation with people you know and not feel like, you know, somebody starts asking you 20 questions about the race. You don't know any of the answers. Maybe it makes you feel like I uh, don't belong here, imposter syndrome, or God knows what else might be going through your head. So just get out there and get settled. You know, for me, then it's just always about like, hey, man, I got to make sure I get to the port of johns and do that stuff. And um, a tip for me, and again, it's not for everybody. I'm a person who requires longer warmups at 61 than mm-hmm. I ever did in my 30s, 40s, or 50s. And that might extend to a three or four mile warm up before a race where mm-hmm. I'm actually doing real strides if it's shorter or a mid-distance race. For the marathon and only for Boston, only for Boston, I do no warmup at all. Um, as I'm making my way, it is a very downhill road to get to the starting crowds. very downhill, yeah. like a lot of the profile early in the race. So if you want to, what I did, I just do some mechanics, you know, knee lifts, some other stuff. I do some, you know, hip stuff and some stretches, really gentle stuff, nothing heavy duty. And maybe, maybe I might just coast a few steps here and there on each side, make sure my shoes are tied tight until you get into the corral. And then, you know, then it's just amazing, man. You know, music's blasting, the announcers are talking, energy's like off the hook. And, you know, and then the last warning I give everyone, man, let me tell you something. If that energy, you're gonna be on like energy level 150 <laughs> by that point, and the gun's gonna go off and your downward profile. The odds are, if you've never run Boston, you're going to be running 30 seconds to a minute faster than you ever run at the start of any marathon. And you're going to be like, oh, this is easy. We, <laughs> this is so good. Let me bank some time. No, don't do it. So, you know, hold back, take it easy through those first few miles. And however you are monitoring yourself, you know, whether it's breathing, you know, RPE, you know, just make sure you, you're you doing something to make sure you don't get carried away early in the race.
0: Yeah, that is. Uh, there, there are so many points there that I absolutely agree with. And we talked to a lot of people at the expo this year at Boston about, you know, maybe it was their first one, maybe it was their second one. And the thing that people always get super nervous about uh, is, yeah, the first four miles, first six kilometers, that's a huge rocket ship of a downhill. And you have that normal adrenaline where even on a flat course or a course with a false flood uphill, you'd probably go out a little too fast and stuff. And so when you put that big downhill grade into there, uh, all that excitement builds up. And because it's Boston, people just kind of go for it too. You, on the other hand, having run it multiple times and you know how to stick to certain targets, um, probably had a plan. What was your race plan or heading into it? How did you come up with how you were going to target the actual uh, race course and get through all 26 miles uh feeling pretty darn good love
1: it uh my plan was simple uh, i have faith and belief in strides data because i've used it you know it's been tried and true uh in 2019 when i ran all six majors together and averaged 315 with a high and low delta of like 1 minute apart for all those races 3 and 45 days and 3 and 39 days or 3 and 35 and 3 and 49 sorry um it never failed me i mean my target number then in 2019 cuz i was fitter and stronger was 261 and out of those six marathons you know i did hit 261 or 260 or 259 and they were again within a minute apart so that kind of faith and confidence is really it's unshakable you believe it so i have that history so i'm not going to come into this now and question <laughs> what the stride number are number is so my number my goal target number was 254 Mm -hmm. and i believe it as i just said i mean i can't say it any better than that or or give you all faith to believe in the number because it's established and i have the historical data you know to rely upon and trust now what did i do that was different this year that i've never done and i know it works and i will use it again and there's no way i was going to try to be a 254 in those downhill sections of the race Mm -hmm. because what that would have netted would probably have been 30 seconds a mile faster than it would have been hard to run that 30 seconds a mile faster, but it would have put me in a zone where I might've already started questioning, am I going out too hard here early? Is this really what I want to do? So I intentionally, I didn't put brakes on, but I intentionally made sure I was in like the 240s, mid 240s, which is a very comfortable cushion. And I felt great. And I ran into a bunch of runners in my first 10K plus where people just ran up on me and saw me and chatted them. And I could tell by every measurable that I was 100% keeping myself in a comfort zone. And I made an intentional plan that I was not going to go to that number, the 254 number, which was my target number, which I normally would be at or try to get at right away, was not going to get to that number until I made the turn at the firehouse. So that was my plan. And I stuck to it. Um, and I probably would have been a little, you know, more aggressive and try to get to my 254 number sooner. If I had in my training, um, and I think we talked about this before we came on. So I'll make sure I add this. I only had one 20 miler in my buildup. So I did have a lot of 16s and 17s and 18s, but I had one quality 20 miler in Mm -hmm. central park, three full loops, tons of Hills. And I averaged like, 814 it was a good solid run but it wasn't anything earth-shattering but it was a solid run. If I had a couple of 20s under my belt, I might have pushed it and tried to get to that 254 number sooner. In retrospect, I don't think I could have done it I don't think I could have done it any better because where that left me is when I turned at the firehouse and I came to the hills, I was able to get up those hills with some power. Um no pun intended. Uh <laughs> strong, uh feeling strong and once I crested um you know heartbreak and got over to the side of BC over there on the right Boston College and it flattens out I just knew that my legs were still there and you know what more could you ask for in a marathon like Boston than to still have your legs so I did from there try to get into the 250s as much as I could but I mean you guys could pull the data I probably didn't really hit it on too many miles I know mm-hmm. I ended up averaging 247 for the whole run and if your prediction the plus or minus number is 5 minutes was exactly within the plus or minus prediction. So, I mean, that, if that doesn't get you fired up, like, man, if I do this training and I use this tool and I work hard at my running, I can actually depend on this if I'm going to race a half marathon or a marathon. So that's my pitch for stride.
0: Yeah. I, I, I love all the points, but the thing that I always love to echo too, because I, uh, you know, I think this was maybe a year ago, middle of pandemic, uh, me and a couple. Clubmates, we did some time trials and the amount that the race uh, predictor for me for a 5K, a 6K, an 8K, and 10K, the combined error total was seven watts. So like it was within an average of one and a half watts total for like all out effort and stuff. But the main point is that, yeah, sure, you know, technology, the stride, uh, you know, ecosystem race power calculator is very good if you feed it data. But the confidence in yourself as an athlete to rely on you knowing that you can use a tool that's been analyzing all your training, I feel like that's the biggest sentiment to echo, especially when you're talking about somebody like you who's run Boston so many times, you know how to deal with the course, but the fact that you were able to be confident uh, not only in your training, but just have something that would prove to you that, yeah, all the training that you've done is great. You know, all the, all the tune-ups and all the workouts that you've done along the way, you should be right at exactly at this level. And then it's no surprise on race day. That's like almost the biggest reassurance that you get and you don't have to worry about stuff like that too. The, the, question that i have is that uh, it, it is about heartbreak hill because we introduced a new treadmill feature this winter uh, and one of the workouts uh, that we designed is called the boston marathon hills and finish and i've run that workout but i've you know only done the heartbreak hill intensity and grade on a treadmill and not doing it uh, you know 20 miles into the race and stuff is it as tough as they say? Are the hills as hard as they say? What is your uh, sort of opinion uh, and, and thoughts about the Newton Hills and Heartbreak Hill in particular?
1: Yeah, I, the Newton Hills are awesome. Um, you just you just have – if you train properly at home, wherever home is, and I, I feel for my friends in Florida <laughs> that maybe only ha- can run on uh, parking garage ramps or mm-hmm. – man, runners are creative, Evan. You know this. Um, you're in Boulder, so you have access to – tons of hills and trails um mm-hmm. and as we know for anybody listening you know when you're running on trails you know you're going to be x number seconds per mile slower and you kind of know you learn what that is over time just like running at altitude or anything else so when i run on the bridle path in central park i know that's going to cost me probably about 15 seconds a mile but mm-hmm. it's softer on my legs it's easier on my legs and i know it's about effort when you're doing those runs more even so and again comes back to power. The power Mm -hmm. number is going to tell you, maybe you are 15 or 20 seconds slower than you are on the road, but are you where you want to be? Are Mm -hmm. you in that range? So Mm -hmm. for me, I always say, of course, and I'm one of a billion people who say it the race starts when you turn at the firehouse. It does. Uh, anything you've done to that point, good luck. If you think what you've done is going to carry you home, it won't. Mm -hmm. Um, if you've gone too hard, you will pay a dear price. You will (laughs) suffer. Um, you will bleed. You will cry. Maybe. Um, and you will you will just absolutely probably fall apart unless you are so strong mentally and so strong physically and have just done so much work to get you through it from there. Um, so I can't say enough how tough those hills will be. It's the sequence of them, where they come you know, the fact that, and again, Boston is not all downhill. Everyone says it. It's not, it's just kind of a roller. You're Mm -hmm. rolling down. You go back up. You don't just go down. You go down and you go back up. You go down and you go back up. You go down and you go back up. So for me, I find areas in Central Park that simulate that. Harlem Hills, the back loop in the park. I have friends of mine who've run full marathons on there and they own the stride segment. And it's sub three, by the way. Um, I've gotten up to like 14 loops, 12 loops. You know, I've done some pretty crazy runs there. And I just feel like that profile, because you're either constantly bombing down a hill, you're constantly bombing right back up. And then Mm -hmm. in between, it has that kind of gentle you know, profile. So you prepare for that. You will be ready for that. But again, man, you have got to save something for when that point in the race comes. And mm-hmm. for everybody, look, I think you're probably going to run positive splits on Boston no matter what. Which, which makes Faubles' performance that much more <laughs> impressive because it's just crazy to be able to evenly split that course. Because mm-hmm. he's not running, you know, a back-of-the-back back time. I mean, he crushed the race
0: pretty solid 208 right yeah yeah Yeah. we'll take
1: take that 208 yeah we'll sign for that 208 (laughs) Mm -hmm. but to deliver on the back end at that course with the four newton hills and everything else that comes just the fatigue and you know racing and all of it it's just so super impressive but i think they're tough they're not crazy by any stretch of the imagination they're not i think in fact i think a couple of the first ones might even be tougher i think the first one at the firehouse is really tough and dez's least favorite hill is also my least favorite hill which <laughs> is after you bomb down lower newton falls and you have to run that long grind ass climb up across that highway where the wind is always blowing like seemingly 50 miles an hour mm-hmm. and you, you feel like you're in no man's land at that point so i i echo dez's sentiment I, every time i'm there i'm always just like uh no no, no, I, I'm not here for this section of the course. And then I just try to use mind control. Like, you know, all right, I'm not here anymore. I'm actually on the other side of this. And I always think about that turn at the firehouse. Cause I feel like, you know, I give myself that like power boost, like, okay, it's on, I'm ready. Are you ready? I know mm-hmm. I'm not going to run my fastest here, but I know the crowds are insane out there while you're doing that stride workout. At home in your treadmill, you don't have the crowds like cheering, right. cheering you like, let's go, Evan. You know, if you got your name on your shirt or, yep. you know, whatever. And um, they're just epic. And the crowds were just insane this year. It was like next level madness out there, just energy off of the chain. And it was just a, a pleasure to be part of that experience. And I, I won't forget what the energy was like this year because it was it was second to any time except maybe the hundredth, which will never probably be topped.
0: Sure. Yeah, I was uh, out there with the rest of the stride team at uh, Coolidge Corner on mile 24. And to see people riding that little bit of a downhill heading uh, into into downtown and everything. the the energy was like, wild. Like, I mean, people packing the streets two miles away from the finish. I feel like you don't usually get that at other places besides, uh, you know, a big major, um, but especially Boston too. So we made it through the hills. And we're coming up on the finish line, you mentioned what you ended up averaging for your power target but what was your uh time that you hit and then what was your maybe post race uh thoughts and then reflecting on the overall race experience for this year
1: Yeah uh my time was 33321 um, my average power was 247. So I was seven points away on my target. And I'm usually really good, Evan, at, at getting within a point or two. Mm-hmm. And I really pride myself on that because you know, look, a number is a number, right? If I tell you, Evan, you can do this, you have to believe it heart and soul. But then to execute it on race day is always a, a totally different thing. I mean, yep. there's the weather, there's there's nutrition, how have you managed all those things? And then how hard are you willing to go? To get to that number, and I mm-hmm. think that's what I've always prided myself on. I'm always able to say, "Okay, no, you got to, you got to go harder. You know, you got, you got to, got to find another gear because you still didn't get to your number." Um, so I feel like incredibly blessed. Like the race went beyond, like incredibly well for me. Like I mean, I finished strong. I walked down the finish line to my hotel, and I'm seeing people hobbling that are 20 and 30 <laughs> years old, and they're walking backwards. And I'm like, "God blessed me." like to do this this is something i've been given a gift to do and I, I just i thank every volunteer i'm so grateful that i'm healthy again and the race for me couldn't have gone better but now we always take a look back you always should you do a post-mortem man as god and say so you don't just for you know just check it off no re-examine the race mm-hmm. i know i left some on the table but that's a good thing to know. That's not a bad thing to know. I also talked to before he came on. I only took two gels. That's a, that's on me. That's not acceptable, man. Mm-hmm. I got a podcast. I talk to people about nutrition <laughs> every day. I talk to ultra runners. I mean, are you kidding me? I have six gels in my, in my pack and I take two. Like I could live with maybe taking four or maybe I could cut myself some slack at three, but two, no, not okay. And I do think if i have maybe gotten at least one more in, I might have been able to grind for another gear and maybe get to you know, another minute or two. But I think that I didn't hit my number, mm-hmm. but I still was in my plus or five minute range. It just validates everything. Because if your genius engineers threw my number in and said, well, he ran 254, 247, it would have been the 320 mm-hmm. that I predicted. It would have been that number. And to me, that's it's just it's exciting. Yeah. That's super exciting. And what was your what was your other part? I know you asked me about wh- what my time was and, you know, the power number. So it's just a tiny little bit over eight minute pace. You mm-hmm. know, I think like 805, 808, something like that. But more importantly, but my only good long run in Central Park, I averaged like 814 pace. So that was, you know, I'm trending up. My, my fitness is building because I took that long, super long period of time to go aerobic and, you know, make these make the, you know, the tempo runs part of what I'm doing now.
0: Yeah, the, the only other part was the reflection, uh, which, you, which you perfectly covered. But I think reflection is um, kind of interesting post-marathon. Uh, we tend to do this uh, probably in sort of a, a negative way sometimes as distance runners, especially marathoners, is that our first thought is like, I could have done X, Y, and Z better but now I have this other race on the forecast. And I'm thinking about this thing and you start that immediately. This was uh, something we talked to a couple of people at the expo that you know they were running Boston for a charity or they had done one marathon where they happened to uh, you know maybe hit their B- BQ by a couple seconds. They applied, they got lucky um, because they applied when the cutoff was exactly uh, zero for the BQ. And they said, I'm never gonna run another marathon. But the usual thing that happens is as soon as you cross the finish line, you say, I'm going to go do this marathon now, or now I'm inspired. Um, reflection, looking back at what you did is always interesting, but I feel like, again, marathoners always look forward to the next thing. So what's the next thing you're looking forward to? You mentioned you have another race very soon on the calendar, uh, but what has, I guess, the past couple weeks looked like post-Boston, and then what are you looking forward to next?
1: Yeah, so exciting stuff. And I did forget to say that um, Newberry – and Boylston it it, it, I mean I'm I'm sorry not Newberry uh you know um Hereford um, Hereford and Boylston were just completely insane this year I mean it was just it was like it gave you chills it Mm -hmm. was I felt like we were at a rock concert or something it just was it was just a crazy level of energy Mm -hmm. so again like walking back to the hotel you know and I stay at the Four Seasons which is right on Boylston I mean they they sing to the runners when they come back in so man if you're if you're running something like Boston you don't have gratitude man you know, and if you do have it and it's where it's supposed to be, where you really feel it, you just you'll the sport will stay with you for life. And mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of one of the messages I always want to leave with everybody that at 61, I love this sport as much as I did when I was in my 30s. And, you know, there's age grading. There's a thousand ways you can prove to yourself. You're still a really competitive runner. You're still a top ranked runner and you, and you still have goals. But um, I don't look back on this race in any way negative. I just know that I didn't push it as far as I could have, but I'm happy that I didn't. I'm Mm -hmm. happy I didn't because I didn't really know that I was going to take on Barcelona this coming Sunday. I didn't know it. Um, I am very close with, uh, the Abbott folks, Lorna Campbell and Tim Hadzima that run the Abbott global marathon major series. You know, I did all six in the one year and, um, they also have something called global run club where you can virtually run a marathon. You can't do them on a treadmill or on a downhill course, but they have a certain number of world age group championship slots available in my age group. There's generally like four You know, you can't go year over year because what somebody did last year may not qualify you this year. But I was going to run that virtually and just maybe go in Central Park and do it. And then I found out that they now have a race in Barcelona that actually counts in their series as well. So I'd basically be getting double points and have double the chance of getting in. And I, I've never been to Barcelona, so I'm super excited about it. And where I was is, um, you know, the other thing you talked about is, um, you know, doing something after. I felt like my legs the day after the race, I, I didn't feel like I ran Boston. I, and Boston destroys, you know, elite racers and it mm-hmm. destroys the back of the pack runners. So I know what I'm doing is working. I know I'm taking care of my body and doing all those steps. And my least favorite distance is 5K. Um, But I know that it's important to stress to all the stride people out there. We have to do the things we don't want to. Mm -hmm. We got to look at our weaknesses and the things that we don't want to tackle. Because if I want to get back to my 315 days and I do, then I got to work on speed more. I got to work on the shorter segment stuff to get that comfort running at that pace. So what did I do? I did a 5K. Um, it's not my thing. Um, and again, just to to deliver the stride message home, my power number, you know, for that race, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually open up the photo file so I don't screw it up, because it was important to me that I wanted to try. Because a three mile race, think about how much easier it is to hit your target in a three mile race than it is in a marathon. You know, in a marathon that's 26 miles, you're you're gonna look down at your watch every certain number of times. My target number was 298. They had a predicted time of 2053 for my 5K. I averaged 296 power and I ran a 2052. I mean, it's it's mind boggling. I mean, and you know, for anybody listening at home, I mean, I was explaining to Evan how conservative I've been, how I've not been doing speed work. I've not been on the track. It's only been tempo strength-based stuff in the park where they're cut down paces. I mean, I've only run a handful of sub seven minute miles as I've been making my way back. To put three in a row together... To average, like 643 is almost an 80% age grade, which grades out to about a 1645 5K at 61. Like, I just couldn't be – I'm more thrilled about that, believe it or not, than my marathon because, again, it's just underscoring and validating if you do this stuff, if you go after those numbers, it's going to work. And, Mm -hmm. of course, in a marathon, and you and your team know this better, there's way more in play. Fueling is all – 100 times more important in a marathon, as is weather. you know, if we get a 2018 Boston day with 35 mile an hour headwinds, you know, your paces are going to be maybe 30 seconds a mile slower at your power number. Maybe, maybe that's not a right number, but it's, it might be right. Mm-hmm. Um, so to run that 5k, I mean, I'm, I'm just over the moon because to not be racing at that effort. And then what happens, Evan, as we know, so what did my critical power number go to? <laughs> it went to 290. Okay. So now it predicts a 2034 5k, a 4257 10k, a 13534 half and a 32541. Now, would I have thought, I'm going to take a swing, 20 days apart from Boston, flying to Barcelona and try for a 32541 not in a million years. I ran 333. I'm just making my way back. But if you think I'm going out there to try to run slower, you, and I, you know me better than that. I am going to punch that power number in. And I haven't even actually looked yet because the cool thing is if you go to the Stride web app, that's the one where it literally will calculate. If you just click in that window, it'll show you the power number, you know, in there. Because I just like in this thing here, and I don't even know, you guys could tweak just about anything, but it would be cool if in these predictions it would actually put the power number and the pace.
0: It's in the works. Definitely in the works. Yes.
1: Because the first thing I do then is I go back to each of those distances and then I go in there and then I see what is that actual number. Because when Roberta gives us workouts, she might say, do it at 3K base, whatever. I'll be able to go in there and put in, just as you said, 3K. I now know my power number might be 310 or you know, something like that. Yep. But, uh, I just, I'm so excited and you know what the wheels come off. Who cares? I'm not (laughs) afraid to fail, man. I've never been afraid to take a big swing in life. I don't care, but let me tell you something. It will be one hell of a fun story. Evan, if I go over there and I get to my number and I, even if I just beat what I ran in Boston, man, but if I get something with a three, two on it versus three, three, God bless, man. That's, that's it.
0: Where can people keep up to date with your running journey and maybe follow along with stuff? Like I mentioned, you're a podcast expert and you're also on uh, the running social media like Instagram, but where can people follow you and keep up to date with your running?
1: Well, um, I would love it if people follow me on Instagram. Ron Runs NYC is my main page and my podcast is Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Um, They're separate accounts and obviously I have a lot more followers and people tracking what I do on my regular Ron Runs NYC page. And I do put my podcast episode data up on both because, you know, this way, my friends who happen to come on the show. And by the way, I've been trying to get Evan on for a while. For, <laughs> he's not going to be able to get off the hook this time, man. <laughs> Full-fledged guilt will be coming his way. He's going to have to come on my show reciprocally Um, but yeah I would love uh, to pick up some new um, Stride people and anybody out there who has questions on Stride of course you can hit the Stride team up and man I've been using this thing since the get go and Evan I gotta tell you I hammer my friends who come up with all of their excuses I'm like okay wait you have the thing at home and you're not putting it on for your runs or, Oh, I used it at my track workout. I'm like, I think you need to use it on all of your runs. I don't (laughs) think it's one of these things where you just put it on, on the recovery day, use it for everything. You know, like it's just, you know, even like battery charging, I'm, I'm conscious of it after I've done a marathon and a lot of work, I'm like, okay, I better charge it. (laughs) I better make sure it's like the chest drive heart, uh, battery, you know, for my polar man, you know, you just got to keep up on your little maintenance stuff. Uh, yeah, that would be awesome if some people want to follow along or hit me up and ask me anything about Stride or my running.
0: Yeah, Ron is uh, one of my favorite personal follows for all the running stuff. So it always is a good inspiration for me to keep me motivated, uh, especially during the, this past winter when uh, running was a little bit tougher outside in Colorado. is very motivating to uh, keep up with the podcast stuff and everything, too. Um, that wraps it up. For this episode of the podcast, Ron, I want to thank you again so much for coming on. People are going to absolutely love this, and I'm probably going to listen to it a couple more times to get re-inspired and reinvigorated with running. Best of luck with Barcelona, uh, the travel out there, the execution on the race, and then uh, the recovery after that. And we look forward to keeping up to date with even more of your running and marathons in the future as you approach 75 marathons, 100 marathons. Those will be coming in, in, in the next few years, I imagine. Yeah,
1: just uh, what a pleasure to be on, Evan. So much fun to chat with you, and uh, and gotten to know you and the team over there. And it's always always my favorite uh, to get around the expos and go to the booths, and uh, and also just hype the brands that I 100% believe in. You know, I don't I don't have any sponsors for my show for a reason. I don't you know Koros and Stride and the brands that are inside Tracker that are 100% ingrained in my DNA. I believe in. I just talk about you guys all in the show, and you know that's it cuz it's 100% it's certifiable it's true and people believe it so um, if you really believe in that stuff people it comes across and and they'll know but for everybody out there man use your use your stride stuff man and trust the data cuz it will it will get you where you want to go
0: we love it thanks everybody for listening we'll catch you next time bye bye